4: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a more market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make some money. My job not just to entertain, but to educate and teach. So call me, 1-800-743-CBC. Tweet me, at Jim Kramer. Look, when the CEO of J.P. Morgan, the world's largest bank, says there is scary stuff ahead, well, guess what? You take notice. When Jamie Dimon reels them off, Russia, Ukraine, oil, gas, war, migration, trade China, not to mention the possibility of 6% interest rates, that's what he's talking about, because of persistent inflation, you get scared. And the market plunges right on time. Although, fortunately for the bulls, the fuel eventually subsided. Dow ultimately finishing up 109 points. S&P advancing 0.53%. NASDAQ jumping 0.72%. Now, earlier this week, I told you the market would find its footing once stocks came down enough and long-term interest rates started falling. And that's what really happened today. And that's why the averages ultimately turned. That said, I still think it makes sense to do some selling in certain select areas, especially the techs and the fintechs and SPACs with crazy town valuations and no real earnings. But beyond raising some cash, after a bad couple of weeks, stocks do become, let's well, say, they get cheaper, right? They start pricing some of the niggers. When Diamond talks about the war in Ukraine and high inflation, it's not like these are new worries. We went over a lot of this with him, and as you'll see later tonight, I came away short-term bearish on events in Washington, but totally bullish on the events of 52nd and Market in Philadelphia, the Underbank street we visited with Jamie, where he put up a new Chase branch, No, it's really a community center. It's much bigger than a branch. Now, many times during our interview earlier, it was on the Halftime Report and later in the show, I found myself thinking, who cares about where the Fed funds rate is? If Chase can help pull up an underprivileged neighborhood, maybe we're in a much better place than Wall Street's willing to believe. But you know there's a problem with that thinking. The resurgence of a gritty West Philly neighborhood, as excited as it is to this hometown guy, doesn't propel the S&P 500 higher because the market, well, it just doesn't care. In a gloomy coda to an otherwise stellar event, you have to wonder how aggressive any banker can be if they believe the Fed will take rates sky high in order to kill inflation. Then again, diamonds my age. We cut our teeth on 19% interest rates in the early 80s and we did pretty darn well for our customers. Maybe the Fed funds rate's going to 6% and it won't be the end of the world. At the same time, there are always cycles that are somewhat immune to the day-to-day macroeconomic news. Anything with exposure to these cycles may be worth buying. Why, why, why? Diamond mentioned the agricultural cycle, for instance. That's on fire. You know I like deer. He talked about our amazing oil and gas profile, which is why I like Halliburton for the Chapel Trust, tempted to buy more of the oil service giant. Because even if crude goes nowhere, the oil service guys stand to make a killing. Because producers need to spend fortunes on drilling just to keep production stable. And he talked about tech, especially tech that powers, yes, machine learning, like the artificial intelligence that helps J.P. Morgan engage with its customers, detect fraud, along with many other mundane tasks, even related to trading. In other words, without mentioning its name, He's actually talking about NVIDIA, which shot up 14% today thanks to some great numbers last night. Management sees more orders from the data center. That's a big change. They see the semiconductor glutton gaming ending. That's a big change. And they're confident that artificial intelligence has gone mainstream thanks to the popularity of chat GPT. And that's all fantastic for NVIDIA. Remember, NVIDIA spent years developing this exact technology, accelerated computing and now they have a gigantic lead on the competition in what could be a $600 billion brand-new market that didn't even exist pretty much a year ago. CEO Jensen Wang, been on the show a bunch of times, compared the breakout of accelerated computing. you got to pay attention to what he's saying. That's why I told everyone to watch the conference call. The breakout he compared to Internet going mainstream, rise of the smartphone, rise of the personal computer. And NVIDIA now is the kind of dominance with AI that Intel used to have with the PC. They practically are the only game in town. They are AI. No wonder management can't measure the potential demand because it's practically endless. A ton of tech stocks ended up running on NVIDIA's positive quarter, but that is plain laughable. It was like when we saw the Palo Alto Networks story this week. The whole point is that NVIDIA is running circles around the competition. No one is near them. What's good for them might not be good for anybody else. So where does it leave us? Bottom line, we've got a schizophrenic market where each local surge of hope gets squashed by the next national or international fear, which gives way to another round of hope, and sometimes all in one day. Manuel in Illinois. Manuel.
2: Yes, Jim. I have a question on STZ. I listen to the conference call and do my own homework like you tell me. The only good thing, positive thing I heard from that conference call was they were trying to divest uh, the Canadian portion of the weed business. I just want your thoughts. Well, look,
4: Constellation Brands, as I tell many people, because we've owned it for a long time for the Chapel Trust, and we'll be going you over, by the way, it's Saturday's Big Shindig, just for investing club members. This is a cash flow story. Beer generates a huge amount of cash. For that, they can do anything. and can buy back stock. They can increase the dividend. I'm in it for the long haul. That's the only way to view beer. And don't forget, beer does quite well in uh, recession. Jack in Ohio. Jack. Jack, speak to me. Hey, thanks for taking my call, Jimmy. Of course, Jack. What's shaking? Hey, energy's on a pullback. Out of EMB and PXD, I was going to stay with Devin, I was disappointed with Devin. They did not do the number. It caused me to shudder, frankly, because Rick Moncrief needs to come on and tell us what went wrong. There's got to be something because the other oil companies did not see that coming. And I want to know more about it, cause boy, did it ever wreck my day when it happened. More than my day, actually, like three days. All right, look, actually, like now, this market is schizophrenic, and each local surge of hope gets squashed by the next national fear, which gives way to another round of hope. Sometimes all in the same day, like today. A man, money tonight. Wall Street burned Papa John after earnings, so our investors getting a buying opportunity a pizza chain that simply has had. A great hot streak. I'm checking with the CEO. Then worried about a slowdown? Well, then I'm seeing a PG&E. Yes, the giant Northern California utility could be a strong defensive addition. to Your portfolio, sit down with top brass. And earlier, I had a chance to talk, to talk to J.P. Morgan CEO, Jamie Dimon, as the company opened a terrific community branch in my own town of Philadelphia. You do not want to miss it. That's kind of news, Jamie. It'll
1: surprise people, yeah.
5: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash businessgoldcard.
3: Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. Bad
4: day for pizza this morning. Domino's and Papa John's reported both fell short of expectations, setting their stocks into a tailspin. Although Papa John's held up better, it was still down 6%. What's going on here? And these guys actually delivered a genuine top and bottom line beat for the quarter, just that Wall Street was terrified by the disappointing North American same store sales numbers. Forget that international same store sales were strong, though I want to know about more about the UK. At the same time, management's four year forecast was, I'd call it a big garden. Now I'm wondering whether this isn't a buying opportunity or time, to maybe to abandon my long favored love of the pizza place. So let's take a closer look with Rob Lynch, the president and CEO of Papa John's International. We'll learn more about the quarter and where his company is headed. Mr. Lynch, welcome back to Mad Money.
6: Hi, Jim. Great to be here. And uh, I would argue there's no bad pizza, just so you know. All right. That's fair. But I, well, here's what I really want to know, Rob. The,
4: you had the misfortune of reporting the same day as Domino's, which was admittedly disappointing. When I go over and over the numbers, I'm going to use a term that the, that I, you're going to have to explain to the public. You achieved a 30.1-year, three-year stack that Uh, comp that that outperformed Pierce. Now, Wall Street knows what that means. Can you explain to people what a stack means and why, therefore, your number was pretty good because of the stack?
6: Sure. So, the last two years, uh, 20 and 21, were the two highest sales years in our company's history, two record years where we uh, continued to outperform both the competition and even our internal expectations. So, there was a lot of discussion back then on whether or not we were a pandemic company, that all of our growth was coming just because of the shelter in place rules and the concerns around the pandemic and people not going out. Well, last year, despite coming out of the pandemic, we were able to continue to lap positive. We we're continued able to grow. And so those that 30% is a compilation of you know, 2020, 2021 and 2022. Growing 30% means we grew on average 10% a year, which I think we're really happy with.
4: Right. That's what I think people need to know, which is why I think the stock's decline was overdone. Now, there was some concern that maybe your forecast was a little bit tepid. Sometimes you're a little more aggressive. We're worried about same-store sales in the U.S. Can you reassure us that actually the headline numbers, which were so critical of you, may have been misplaced?
6: So, you know, we guided today a long range guide for two to 4% comp sales in North America on on an ongoing basis. We believe that we can deliver in 2023 between two to 3% on top of um, this continued growth. That would be four straight years of comp sales growth. The only player in the pizza industry to be able to do that. And we believe we can do that because we've got the right plan to get us through what continues to be a challenging macroeconomic environment, geopolitical environment, uh, our we've got great innovation coming this year that's going to contribute to those sales we're improving our operations increasing customer satisfaction so our teams are doing all the right things for the long term and that's why we, we feel really bullish about our ability to outperform again in 2023. All right,
4: let's talk about the improving customer satisfaction. At one point in your conference call, you talk about how you got the uh, time uh, from the store from 30 minutes down to 20, 20 minutes. Now, is that because you're using aggregators and you're not having to wait and find more labor, which we know is very hard yourself?
6: It's de- that's definitely a part of it. I mean, we're, we're always seeking to find the best solutions to meet our customers' needs. Three years ago, three and a half years ago, when I got here to Papa John's, we made the strategic decision to invest in partnerships with third party delivery p- providers. And over the course of the pandemic, that's really helped us out. You know, there were there's been a, a lot of talk about the labor shortages, the staffing shortages. And, you know, we've been able to lean into those partnerships to be able to supplement our labor pool, especially during our peak periods on Friday and Saturday nights. night. So, um, Optimizing that is one facet of why we've been able to improve our operating efficiencies. But I also tell you, we brought in new leadership. We've got people really focused on the the core things that that drive our business. And we're measuring those things on a daily basis, working with our general managers to make sure they're incorporating those procedures. You know, you think about the pandemic, Jim, we were trying to keep everybody safe. We're doing our best to keep those stores open. And in doing that, you know, you start to lose maybe some of your operating discipline. We're returning all, the, all that back to the restaurants and we're, we're starting to see some real improvement in customer satisfaction as a result. All
4: right, so a lot of people tell me worry. Jim, you gotta worry more about the commodity uh, costs. I come back and I say the innovation's trumping the commodity costs and I don't need to worry. What do you think about that analysis?
6: I don't know that they're mutually exclusive. I mean, I worry about commodity costs. I did especially in 2022. That was the toughest year of my career. Um, you know, we saw over 40% inflation in our commodities during the course Jeez. of 2022. You know, it's tough to price for 40% cost increases. So we've been working hard to make sure that we're, um, you know, doing everything we can to be as productive and efficient as possible. But heading into 2023, we do see some, 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 um, some easing there. We, we're already starting to see some easing there on, on some of the big costs that go into our, our food, like cheese and wheat. Um, but we're also really focused on the innovation, right? I mean, right. the innovation is about bringing in new customers and introducing them to Papa Johns in a premium and in, in experiencing our premium products. So, um, it is a balance. We're trying to make sure that our, our restaurants still make money and make sure that our franchisees are, are, are supported. But we got to make sure that we're also bringing in new customers with all that premium innovation. All right. So, what, Rob, what are you
4: doing with the idea that you can get uh, machines now that sound just like humans? As we know, this is the chat GPT, uh, also NVIDIA phenomena. Have you looked at it or is just not needed?
6: Yeah, I mean, we've always been a big technology company. I mean, we consider ourselves an e-commerce company. Eighty-five percent of our orders do come across digital channels. We were the first brand back in 2001 to launch online ordering. And, And so, you know, we are always exploring ways that we can be more efficient, make sure and investments that we can make to leverage technology to be more efficient. Right now, the GPT and some of the other AI that's, that's taking orders doesn't necessarily meet our standards, but we'll continue to explore ways that we can invest to do that.
4: Well, look, I, I just think that if, if you had reported, say, next Monday, I think people would say, oh, pretty good numbers. I'm not kidding, Rob. You know, I know I know stocks, you know pizza. This was a good number. Thank you to Rob Lynch, president and CEO of Papa John's. Always good to see you, sir. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. All right, Mad Money's back after the break.
2: Coming up, utilities have to deal with headwinds, quite literally. What's it mean for a stock that's fighting to keep the heat on for thousands? Stick with Kramer.
5: From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobilecom slash now.
7: When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, If you're worried
4: about a Fed-mandated recession, maybe you should have focused on today's earnings report from PG&E. That's that Northern California utility we like so much we recommend it as a turnaround play. The utilities are textbook slowdown stocks. While the actual results for the quarter came up a tad short management, reiterated their full-year forecasts, which is what we care about. But I think this is a case where you need to zoom out. Look at the big picture. PGE and e hit its target of 10% earnings growth last year, and today they confirmed that they're on track to do 10% again next year. Hey, I, I like this. Talk about consistency. Now, if they're able to pull off that kind of growth, it would make it maybe the most attractive utility out there. So let's check in with Patty Poppy. She's the turnaround artist of C- and CEO of PG&E to get a better sense of the story. Ms. Poppy, welcome back to Man Money.
0: Well, thank you, Mr. Kramer. Great to
4: be with you. Oh, thank you, Patty. All right, so how do you grade yourself on mitigating physical risk and mitigating financial risk last year and what you can do this year?
0: Well, I think we're making massive progress on both of those things. Obviously, physical risk is... Uh, a key enabler to our long-term success. We reduced our number of acres burned by 99%. We've layered in all sorts of uh, wildfire safety mitigations, so that is definitely on track and ahead of plan. And then financial risk, as you said it, consistency in a utility is the name of the game, and that's the, the game we're winning. We uh, delivered exactly what we said we would deliver. And we've obviously, uh, as you mentioned, uh, reaffirmed our guidance for 2023 up uh, uh, 10% at the midpoint of our range, $1.19 to $1.23.
4: Why can't other CEOs have a no more, no less philosophy?
0: It's a winning one for utilities. I have to tell you, I don't know why more people don't employ it. Uh, Number one, it allows us when we are... um, Having a a successful year, we redeploy dollars back into the benefit of customers, so we deliver what we said we were going to deliver. But we also, when we have trouble, we have the muscle that we use to uh, get back on plan. And we showed on our call today two-year track record, and we can't wait till that's many, many more years of track record to talk about.
4: So I know that the worst storms actually occurred at the end of the year through the first two weeks of January. Does Does not knock you off your plan at all for 2023?
0: It sure doesn't. You know, our team is at our best when we are put to the test and we certainly were put to the test in back to back to back to back uh, uh, atmospheric rivers. That's like multiple hurricanes, one on top of the other. And we had 2.8 million customers impacted by it, all of them restored within 24 hours. It was extraordinary performance by the team and all of our partners across the state and across the nation. Uh, We really delivered and it does not affect our year end uh, plan for 2023.
4: Obviously, someone like Shum Washington, maybe uh, Secretary Granholm, because you did get $1.1 billion for Diablo Canyon. Was that a win for Was that something that you banked on?
0: Well, we knew that there's a lot of support for Diablo Canyon, and it's one of the highest performing nuclear power plants in the nation. And uh, the, the state and the federal government agreed with us, and they're really supporting the extension of that plant with that uh, funding from the DOE.
4: Now, i wanted to ask you, yesterday, Gavin Newsom, the governor, very pro-business guy, uh, and Elon Musk got together, and Elon wants to come back and do some things in California. He could not have done that without first checking with PG&E or being sure that the lines are hardened.
0: Any interaction with Elon? We have a lot of interaction with Elon and the whole Tesla team. In fact, they... Uh, did a 182-megawatt battery storage facility with us, which is to the benefit of the people of California. And, in fact, I I let Elon know last night we were happy to have him back home. Oh, you talk to Elon. I mean, like, one-on-one. Well, we we do a lot of business together, and so I'm always wanting to support our customers, and he's a big one of ours.
4: See, I'm tempted to ask you what he's like, but I have to get back to the idea of maybe buying your stock, which brings me to the notion of what you know I'm most worried about, even though I shouldn't be, which is the uh, victim's trust. Now you're down to about, what, about 100 and, uh, well, I was looking at the last one. You still got about 150 more million shares. Um, So I got an idea for you. Why can't you put together, I'm, I'm not kidding. Why can't you put together buying group, get this done?
0: Well, it's up to the Fire Victims Trust and uh, their board. They determine when and how they sell. They've uh, sold about 60% of their holdings. And look, we are aligned with the Fire Victims Trust. When we succeed, that enables them to deliver for their uh, trust uh, and beneficiaries faster. And so our goal is to make the system safer faster. When we win, the trust is able to do their job faster.
4: Well, I agree that, but they have 187 million shares to go. I don't know whether they want to hold any. It doesn't seem like the trust charter allows them to. But if they do 50 million, 50 million, 50 million, and then clean up with another 37 million, it still may, your stock may still be at 15 because you're not going to put a dividend in place yet.
0: Well, in fact, we talked about that on our call today. We're talking about timing of uh, reinstating our dividend. Right. Uh, The most important thing that we're focused on is delivering to make our system safer faster. So that's our capital growth. We talked about our 9.5% rate-based growth uh, CAGR over the coming years. We uh, intend to invest that capital in the kind of infrastructure that our customers deserve and really are supportive of. And, and that enables us then to have the kind of growth that's industry leading. And we want that industry leading growth to make the system safer for customers. And then the Fire Victims Trust can do uh, what they're gonna do. And I, I agree with you, I think it's, you know, they'll, it's in their interest to make sure that they get the, the disbursements done. And when we're performing like we are, that enables them to do it.
4: Well, I, I couldn't agree more, particularly because the thing I was most worried about was undergrounding, wildfire mitigation. If those are solved, And it seems to me that it's pretty clear sailing from here.
0: There's two things to remember about our fire mitigation. One, undergrounding is definitely the long-term plan, and we have a, a, we'll be filing a plan this year. It's an important catalyst, I would suggest, for investors. We're going to be filing our 10-year undergrounding plan that has unit costs and is enabled by legislation that was passed last year. But the second thing, we implemented some new technologies last year that were very effective. Our enhanced power line safety settings, they, that is what enabled us to reduce our acres burn by 99% today. We don't have to wait for undergrounding to be finished. So that's the best economic forward plan, okay. today the system is safer.
4: Boy, i got to tell you, I still like this stock. I, this, the overhang will be solved by the time I speak to you next. And what a great quarter and how great it is to have a no more, no less attitude. Patty Poppy, CEO of PG&E Corporation. Great to see you again. Great to see you, Jim. All right. man, Money back there for the break.
2: Coming up. Kramer sits down with Jamie Dimon for an interview you won't want to miss. You forgot the Fed. It, means no, it makes no difference to me. We're going to open branches,
1: hire bankers, build technology nonstop. Next.
4: Earlier today, we got a chance to speak with Jamie Dimon, the chairman and CEO of JPMorgan Chase, at his new community center right in West Philadelphia, where they're doing great work serving an underbanked community. Now, we had a great discussion. I aired live at noon, which you can watch online if you missed it. But afterwards, we got a few more minutes with Jamie that you haven't seen. So I want you to take a look right now. Jamie, I saw a smile this morning, (laughs) and it's a smile that reminds me who you are. You're a banker trying to Get business for J.P. Morgan, yep. but also change a neighborhood. Is yep. that why you're here at 52nd, yeah. Philadelphia?
1: We we, look, we love Philadelphia. We now have 50 branches here, on our way to 80. I was so happy you joined us in the community branch. We got to see in action our people. Right. are happy, how proud we are of them.
4: Individual banks. and
1: that bank. one story about uh, uh, Khalif, right. who got a mortgage from Tanika, who this, who I gave a big hug, and he she called him every single day. And that one mortgage, his whole family. He talked about his family, the problems. They'd rented the place for 25 years. That's changing the world. That one thing. And you know, things we didn't mention is we, we got rid of college to be required for a lot of jobs. Right. We use that community branch. You know, we use local. We hire local people, local vendors for food. It was a black construction company who reconstructed the branch. Uh, uh, we bring in small businesses. We give them advice. We have. We've had 60 events. They told me they already. 60 events teaching people how to save money, how to start a business, how to. Uh, how to do a mortgage and stuff like that. So, it, you know, it warms our heart. And I mentioned when I was there that, that you know, a lot of our people, I tell them, you didn't get your job because of your brain and your work ethic, which was part of it. Right. You got your job because you, you have a heart and you care about people, whether it's our employees or the person who walks in the front door of that branch.
4: In a discriminated neighborhood, you know that. That was at yeah. one point, as I mentioned, a yeah. red line neighborhood. Yeah. They well, couldn't get any more. Than
1: yeah. Well, you know it better than us, and we're trying to do things to reverse right. all the heritage of redlining, including doing things like including rent which is not included in FICO scores. So you can be paying rent for 20 years. It's not included. But using alternative data like that to make more you might not otherwise make.
4: Okay, so this morning, Wells Fargo uh, lays off a lot of mortgage bankers. Is this the right time to expand a bank to give mortgages?
1: Yeah. So we we have expansion plans, which we just do nonstop.
4: But the Fed, the Fed, the Fed. You forgot the Fed. It it makes no difference to me.
1: We're going (laughs) to open branches, hire bankers, build technology. Nonstop. stop that's what we do. The mortgage business is a very tough business. So if you say it's a business matter, that is true. So I'm very sympathetic to what you know, Charlie's going through. Uh, it's Charlie's very up. tough regulatory. It's very tough uh, legal. It's, it's the profit margins move all over the place. So uh, a lot of people are making different decisions. You've probably seen that 80% of the mortgage business is out of banks now. you know, And, uh, and that's kind of unfortunate.
4: Now, I often struggle when I listen to you to think about well, is the government an impediment? Is the Fed an impediment? Or are these actually trying to help things to make them better?
1: I think, the, you know, the Fed has to do what they think is the right thing to do. And, you know, look, it's pretty Did you obvious. talk to them. Yeah. I mean, they're not doing what you think. They, they kind of are. I think we all know they were probably late. OK, and their models didn't really work. Inflation got out of control. Then they kind of quickly caught up. So they'll probably you know, pause at one point at you know, a little over five percent. Whether it's enough or not, we don't know. And I don't think it will be. I think that inflation will come down. But maybe by the end of the year, you've got to do a little bit more. But but remember, inflation could be far worse than a mild recession. And so, right. you know, they've got to figure out what's the right thing for the long run, not just what's the right thing for next year or something like that. So, right. You I, know, I wish them that we all want them to do, do as well as they can.
4: But I, I still do not hear you say there will not be a recession. I still hear you say that it could be a hard landing. I'm not getting away from that.
1: Yeah. Well, you, you can't avoid. I mean, I look at the world as possibilities and probabilities. So there's still a chance for a soft landing there's, or, or no landing. There's right. still a chance for hard landing. And there's still a chance for what I call other because of Russia, oil, gas, migration, China, trade. Those are serious things. And I also point out we've never had QT before. And, and QT, the early parts may be easy. The harder later parts may be a little harder. So I, would ex- I expect that will cause a lot of volatility in the markets. At one point,
4: your bank is probably uh, people don't know this, but your bank has the best Asian desk. You've had unbelievable relations with China. Did it have to go as a rise? It is.
1: No, Uh, but I think look, I think COVID set everyone way back where people didn't talk and they didn't relate to each other. I think Russia showed the world that the world is not safe for Western, completely safe for Western democracy. And you need American leadership. You know, that, that can coalesce the Western world. But you have what's happening today is you have a lot of countries around the world who are trying to pick and choose between who they're going to lie with, who they want to trade with. We've got to put trade back on the table. You know, I travel around the world and a lot of these countries are, hey, if you're not, if you're not going to trade with us and China's coming to walk in here. So we need diplomacy, economic strategy, trade, uh, very thoughtfully done with allies and then private negotiations with China. We can take. A, I think we're doing a lot, a lot of right stuff around national security. I think that's a center well, Okay,
4: so I listen to you and I say, okay, experienced banker, uh, experienced worldwide. Uh, 67 can't be J.P. Morgan forever. Uh, people who are running for president are in their 80s. Uh, why not Jamie? I've never been a politician.
1: That's why. I well, actually, maybe that's what you need. I, I would love to be anointed president, but you have to win. You have to run. And there's almost yeah, no chance. that's a problem. It, it, yeah, business, that, that, it, 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 that. would be it, a big problem.
4: That absolutely is a problem. Now, where are we as a country? How do we stand? Our natural resources are great, yeah. but our leadership is paralyzed because yeah. we have so many people in Washington who hate each other.
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't be that dramatic about it. Okay. If you look at the history of America, we've been through tough times, Revolutionary War, Civil War, World War One, Depression, World War Two, and a lot of... Things past that. And so huge resiliency, which Warren Buffett always talks about. The the way Americans think about it is we're the most prosperous nation on the planet. And I'm going to contrast this to China just to put it in perspective. 75,000 per person GDP here versus 13 there. We have all the food, water, and energy we need. Right. Okay, We've got the gifts of the founding fathers, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of enterprise, freedom of capital. You you can do what you want with yourself. You can start businesses, you can invest in things.
3: In,
4: in 52nd Street. You so can do all that. But they haven't given we've, we've everybody. Had the most, There's not been know, equal opportunity for people we, to get capital.
1: That we, we've done a terrible job lifting up the bottom 20% of society. The government or the
4: banks? Are you Go, taking government, leadership because the government has has failed we're, so we're, many people?
1: I think I think every institution should do something to help. Hire people, train people, open this community branch. But we also have to get with the government. We need good, effective, competent government. And a lot of government policies backfired. But if right. but we need the inner city schools to get these kids ready to work. We need we got rid of uh, you know um, college be required. We but we need the schools to work. We need right. zoning. If you want more affordable housing, a lot very often it's, it's zoning. You know we need uh, immigration. So you, you policy. telling
4: me that there's enough that you would lend credit, give credit? And your bank has enough savings and people have enough savings that if we just were kind of uh, Prometheus unbound when it comes to the economy, we'd be doing much better.
1: I think so. I think we hold ourselves back because we don't have really effective public policy around regulations, taxation, immigration. But, but is the American uh, but, 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 but consumer I, by good I, by despite I, way, em- this? The American consumer is in fabulous shape today.
4: Well, I'm not, I mean, well, the, the, what's the, the uncertainty here? I mean, yeah. yes, Ukraine. You're giving, you've given me probably eight certainties to two uncertainties. So here it is. They have a, they're, they're spending 40 percent
1: more than pre-COVID. They have a trillion and a half, or something like that, left in their checking accounts, more than they had pre-COVID. Jobs are plentiful, wages are still going up.
4: Millennials well, going, right, going that, to your right, bank? That's, that's the, Yes. Are course. they going to fintech? Square. No. We, we're are you getting, getting, square going to beat you?
1: No. We're, we're, we're getting our share. To, of everybody. I'm baiting you. You're yeah. supposed to take that bait. Yeah. I said no. <laughs> they're not going to beat us. Uh, but but the problem is that money is being spent down now, so it's going to. We think sometimes by the end of the year it'll be zero excess balances. Well, that means
4: good for the and, and card.
1: And it's being eroded by inflation. Right. So you can look at that and say, well, at the end of that, it, you'll have a little bit of a dip, but maybe not. You know, if we go into recession, the consumer is in better shape because unlike 08 and 09, mortgages are well underwritten. Right. The, the, even though people talk about credit card debt, it's just normalizing.
4: Well, th- not- then, then the Fed, with its method, Medec's method of five and a half, six, is not going to solve the inflation problem that you're just talking about.
1: I, I, my view is it might have gone a little bit higher. And higher
4: people, than six?
1: Yeah, possibly.
4: Well, Higher than six? A, a lot you know, of people. When you, would be
1: when you and I grew up, okay, like when I graduated school, you know, I was twenty-one. Prime was twenty-one and a half percent. Things changed. There's been a big right. sea change. Buying more. Treasuries at fourteen? Yeah, I still wouldn't buy Treasuries
4: today. <laughs> well, okay, so it north of six would be news. That's kind of news, Jimmy. It'll you
1: surprise mean. people, yeah.
4: You don't want to kind of take that one. I mean, mortgages, not, right. not, mortgages are like doing terrible things. I'm not saying
1: things. it's going to do that.
4: You did say it's going to do that. I,
1: I suspect it may have to go a little bit higher than the five we're talking about. It could hit this six. country's I'm, not ready for that. Well, that's – things happen.
4: We, we had an infl- layoffs – unemployment goes to, five, to 5% at, that, at could, that rate. It could, yeah. We go back to 5%. But, but, but
1: it could be – again, if you're in the, in the government, what you really want is the best long-term outcome. Inflation is so insidious – that that could damage growth for 10 years. So they're trying to do the right thing and-, and But
4: okay, so it's homes. It's food. It's wages. You have no control over food, but you talked about positive ag. Uh, homes, it doesn't seem to matter. They don't build enough, so we're always going to... Homes keep going up in prices. It's a supply-demand issue.
1: Well, they're down 10% from the peak, so keep in that in fact, mind. That, yes. yes. And and we need to supply more homes. Yes, so we do. Affordable housing and all that, we need more. Yet, You're absolutely correct. We're not building enough to keep up with the population. No. So that was by, that's a good sign for the future of the
4: economy. But the wages are only going to stabilize if enough businesses, including ones that use J.P. Morton, Fail. Well, I
1: don't think you need failure, but you know when you have a recession, companies fail. But that's
4: hopefully that won't happen. Can I can I leave on artificial intelligence something more positive? Uh, your bank uses. I mean, everyone thinks that Nvidia is one of our favorite companies. It's all new. You guys have used artificial intelligence throughout. You've understood. You've been able to catch fraud. You've been able to uh, get rid of uh, uh, of. Of jobs that are very difficult, where people are actually talking to machines and they don't know it. Yeah. I mean, so is it? Is your bank had, did you convene a meeting on this? Have you convened a meeting on accelerated computing? All,
1: to, all the time. Years ago, I wrote about it years ago. About, but, and we actually hired Manuela Velosa, who ran Carnegie Mellon here, sure. years ago. We have 100 people in research AI. We have thousands in data scientists, machine learning, uh, uh, data folks, and stuff like that. We run, I think, about 300 AI
4: programs. You know, do you just give so me you a, weren't surprised by the, chat? No, no,
1: we were already u- doing stuff like that. Should, should
4: the Fed Maybe be Reading see- contracts. Would they be better at their job if they were just plugging it in? Should rates be at six? I don't think chat GBT can figure that out quite yet. But it sounds like well, you're a, I could.
1: Doing. No, but we use it for things like risk, fraud, marketing, prospecting. I mean, we, we move $10 trillion around the world. And, we, and I always tell them it's zip-zapping as we well, speak. But it's running through AI systems to make sure, is it going to the right place? What are the patterns? What's the well, voice is, recognition? Is,
4: is 4% uh, on the tenure the right place to be? It's ridiculous. Isn't that ridiculously low? I think it's a little low, yeah. A little low. Yeah. Man, you catch it. It's very low. It's low. And capital markets kind of dried up. When are we going to see those numbers get better? Uh, uh, Soon. Uh, Net interest uh, income? How come nobody cares? They think there's going to be too many. uh, Net interest income is going to be great. But people are now worried about about bad loans. I'm not seeing or hearing from you that there's a lot of defaults.
1: I don't expect lot. I think if you have a recession, my view is you have what I consider a normal credit cycle. Losses will go up in a way that's quite predictable in a recession, but unlike we, what happened in 08 and
4: 09. But we can't necessarily break an economy with 8% if many people are buying their homes with cash, if they're not enough of homes. I'm trying to figure out what's going to go, what goes under or what stops to, to, to head off inflation.
1: Well, I think the banking system is in fabulous shape. Yes. Consumers would the be consumers going through recession. The pre-
4: self-consumer is, pre- is the good best shape? ever? It, it, the best that you've seen as a banker? It, yeah, pretty much. Since 2005, yeah. is it the best? Pretty much, yeah. So, well, why am I so worried then? You just may be really worried. I'm, I'm, to not, with.
1: I'm not worried about the normal economic cycle. I would only worry about the abnormal stuff like the war in Ukraine, oil, gas. All right, you
4: radiation. want to get about existential, not, it, uh, not 50 50 uh, second in market. You're not worried about 50 second in market. No. I like that. No. That's a good place to live. Jamie Dimon, chairman, CEO of JP Morgan. Always Thank a pleasure. Sir. Thank you.
2: Coming up, Kramer takes your calls, and the sky is the limit. It's a fast fire lightning round. Next,
4: it is time for the lightning round. let's You're on And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, ski daddy? Time for the lightning round, Kramer. Let's start with um. Ken in Pennsylvania. Ken.
3: Hey, booyah, Mr. Kramer. How you doing?
4: I am doing well. My dad's name was Ken. and I met someone who worked with dad from J.P. Morgan today for 20 years. Was dad's banker. How can I help? That's awesome. Hey, I was uh, inquiring about course Civic. I've held it for many, many years. Used to pay a nice dividend. That went away a couple years ago. I was wondering if I should uh, hold on to that or, or sell well, it. Well, you know what? When they got, you're exactly Look, I was worried. When the dividend went away, I said, go away. I'm standing by my position, and I thank you for the call. Sean in Arizona, Sean. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Jim, for taking my call. How you doing there? Of course. I am doing well, thank you. How about you?
5: Great, great. Hey, what's the first thing first? We love your full photo of Mezcal out here in Scottsville, Arizona. We were drinking that throughout yes. the uh, weekend. Just fantastic. We love it. I'll tell my with. wife it's her business. <laughs> Thank you. You got it. I've got a uh, stock I've been meaning to ask you about. Uh, you got Warren Buffett buying this one, and you've got Steven Spielberg praising Tom Cruise for saving cinema with Top Gun Maverick. What do you think about Paramount Global, Jim? I wish it weren't up for
4: about 40% for the year because I'm telling you, I agree with you. And if it comes down, don't read unscripted. You might change your mind. Uh, it comes down, then I say, buy, buy, buy. okay, let's go to Robert in Texas. Robert.
1: Hi, Jim. Thank you for everything you do for us. What do you oh, Thank some, you.
4: this specific called Clear, Secure. ticker. You know, my you? wife asked me that the other day because we always like to get in front of the line that Clear, Secure does that. I, if they pivot and actually make the money they say they're going to make for this year, then I say bye. but I don't like companies that are losing money, which is what most definitely they are doing. Okay, now we're going to go to Lucas in Minnesota. Lucas.
6: Hey, Jim Kramer. Thanks
4: for taking our call and, uh, helping our home gamers out. I was out moving the snow that we got last night. Wondering about spring break. So what do you feel about uh, booking.com? I like travel. I like their numbers this very evening. I've been recommending travel stocks and staying away from the Wayfarers. I'm sticking by my view. I think you've got a winner. Bookings. Let's go to Craig in Colorado. Craig. Hey, JC man, thank you for taking my call. You're my number one disciple, man. I am from Mild Hot Madness. Hey, I have my sleeves rolled up for a company called Kuang. Well, JT, keep them rolled up and JT. don't pull the trigger. I don't like. I don't like the fact it's not making money. We don't recommend socks not making money on oh, may have money and that. Legend jump. This is the
2: conclusion of the
4: lightning round.
2: The lightning round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up. Is market confidence in Jay Powell too mercurial to measure? Kramer tunes out the noise and checks out the charts next.
0: Jim Kramer, the diehard of the dollar. Hey, Jimmy, love the show. My five-year-old grandson loves to watch your show.
5: I have to thank you for making us money when it's there to be made. Our world is a better place with you in it.
4: Weeks ago, Wall Street was incredibly confident the Federal Reserve could cool down inflation without doing too much damage to the economy. Since then, the conventional wisdom has turned on a dime. Now, everybody's convinced that business is too strong and inflation is too sticky, so the Fed will have to keep hitting us with a ruthless series of rate hikes that drags everything down. And that's what drove the meltdown over the past week. But what if we're reading too much into the data? Maybe the economy's improving while inflation's actually falling, and then it's a good thing. No need to overthink it. Okay, not my take, I admit, but it is the latest contrarian call from Larry Williams, the legendary technician and market historian who's been the top expert in the space since before I learned to drive. Larry's written over a dozen books and created a host of his own proprietary technical indicators, which you can find on his website, which is called IReallyTrade.com. More important, he's racked up an incredible track record on this show, and that includes calling the COVID bottom in the spring of 2020. He also told you that the end of February would be a little turbulent. Uh, Most people have missed both of these. After this week's carnage, Williams, guess what? He's feeling bullish about the stock market. Why? bunch of reasons. First, this morning, the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago released their National Activity Index, which measures overall economic activity along with the accompanying inflationary pressures. No one talks about this index at all. According to the Chicago Fed, business picked up substantially last month, up 0.23 in January, a huge increase from down 0.46 in December. Williams takes this as a strong indication the economy is actually picking up. Look at these Chicago numbers. Personal consumption and housing rose from 0.06 to plus. I'm sorry, minus 0.06 to plus 0.13. That's an amazing change. I didn't hear about either of these two numbers at all today. Shame. More importantly, check out the chart of the Chicago Fed Diffusion Index going back nearly two decades. This is another way of measuring the National Activity Index data. According to Larry, it is a very good leading indicator of recessions. It turned negative. In 2007, nice call, before going extremely negative in 2008, even better. It turned incredibly negative again in early 2020 as COVID hit. But at the moment, Williams points out that it's still well above the level that's associated with severe slowdowns. Of course, maybe you look at it and say, yeah, that's the problem. The economy is too strong, which means more inflation and more need for ruinous rate hikes. Williams disagrees. Rather than extrapolating from every data point, he recommends looking at the New York Fed's underlying inflation gauge, which is pretty self-explanatory. Check out this chart of the full UIG in blue, the prices-only UIG in red and the consumer price index in gold. Very simply, inflation clearly peaked, Late last year, come on, this is cut and dry. Even if it isn't falling as fast as we'd like it, it's still decelerating big time year over year. As Williams sees it, this is indeed a Goldilocks scenario. The economy is getting better while inflation is still cooling. What could could you ask for more, really? At the same time, he's constantly looking at the averages, searching for cycles that tend to repeat themselves over and over again, his great strength. Right now, he likes what he sees. Take a look at the weekly chart of the S&P 500. His cycle forecast, well, it's in red, okay? Based on the cycle uh, forecast, the sell-off in the S&P should be almost over, with a comeback rally about to begin. Williams is betting... The next rally lets the SB break out of the downtrend lines that all the bears are focusing on, at which point they'll capitulate, cover their short positions, and go back to their caves. I know it's very out of step with the prevailing view at the moment, but let's keep in mind this is a market with insane mood swings. A couple weeks ago, stocks traded like everything was great. Now the action says we're looking at a severe Fed orchestrated recession. I don't know if Flowery's right to go as bullish here, although boy, would I love that. But I do know this market tends to overcorrect. So after a couple of bad weeks, it wouldn't surprise me at all if things turn positive again just when no one and I mean no one is looking for it. So buckle up and be prepared for some potential whiplash. I like to say there's always a bull market summer, and I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Man Money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you tomorrow.
5: From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive.